The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 21. Glory to you, Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise <clears throat> I never really understood why Jesus still has the scars on his hands and side after his resurrection from the dead. I'm not spoiling anything for you, I hope. I know it's not Easter yet, but we're not pretending we don't know how the story ends, I hope. I mean, Easter happens and we all think that everything should be magically healed, right? Especially for Jesus, who actually does the dying on the cross, right? But when the disciples gather together the week after Easter, and the resurrected Jesus appears to them, and they are shocked, and they are scared, and they panic until Jesus assures them that it's him by having them touch the scars in his hands and side. But it's after Easter, so why does the resurrected Jesus still have the scars on his hands and side? And why am I talking about after Easter things when today is only Palm Sunday. I finally figured all of this out when I was at the chiropractor the other day and I put a few interesting pieces together. But first we need to start some years ago, five maybe, when I was at Red's Ale House in North Liberty having lunch with a friend when this group of rather mature women walked in wearing purple hats. <laughs> They caused quite a stir, as you might imagine, but the one who walked in last far surpassed Mature, like she was old, and she was magnificent. She had on a giant purple hat with a huge feather plume. She wore a tight black dress bright red lipstick and a pair of four-inch heels and she used a walker. <laughs> the best part is that it took her like 10 minutes to get to her table. So I said to my friend, excuse me, I need to know who that woman is. And she said, yeah, I know, I saw your face the moment she walked in, so go on. 
So without asking, I pulled up a chair next to this woman and I said, I just need to know who you are. So we talked for about a half an hour. At that time, she was 93 years old. We talked about life and shoes. I told her I noticed that she wore heels and used a walker. And then I asked her if she ever considered wearing flats so she wouldn't have to use a walker. And she swore at me. <laughs> I asked her if her feet hurt her. And she looked at me incredulously and she said, of course my feet hurt me. They bear the pain of everything I've ever been. But it's so very worth it, dearie, because I look fabulous. <laughs> and she fluffed her plume. So there are the three threads I'm going to tie together for you today. This old lady in the purple hat and heels, my trip to the chiropractor, and Palm Sunday. I can do it. First thread, the lady in the purple hat, she said her feet carried her entire life. She had been a school principal. She said that she needed the height and the authority in her mostly male world, beginning her professional life as a school teacher in 1950. She wore the highest heels she could possibly find. I told her I understood. She said the pain was worth it. Even now, with the assistance of a walker, her feet were still her heroes and carried her still, and her plume added to her stature. She had presence and grace and dignity and strength, all of which disguised a very real vulnerability on the inside, which she was rarely allowed to show on the outside. Second thread. I went to the Cairo the other day, and he worked on the part of my body that always aches the most, which is my right hip. Mike says in his experience that most moms have one hip that they carry their kids on, and he calls it their mom hip. Look how many of you are nodding. Interesting. Their baby hip. And for the rest of their lives, that hip aches and is out of alignment. I thought of this the other day when I was at a neighborhood market, and I noticed the mom that I was talking to holding her four-year-old daughter. And when the girl stretched out, she was as long as the mom was tall. And I thought of the enormous weight that moms bear. And I thought of all of the years with kids on my right hip, from infancy to toddlerhood, from Christmas cookies baked with one hand, to meals prepared and eaten with one hand, to sermons written with one hand, and so on. I thought of weight. I've seen mothers bear shopping at Target with children on hips or crossing the street with children on hips or mothers in the news crossing borders with children on hips carrying heavy weight. I thought of the weight on my right hip and I know that it will hurt me for the rest of my life. I accept it to be worth it. I would do it all over again. Chiropractors and massage therapists can work forever on it. But the truth of the matter is, 
I know that I have borne extraordinary weight on that hip. If you didn't know me, you'd never know that it hurt, but it's there. Moms are not alone in this, though. I think of all of the weight that all humans bear in life and how we can prop ourselves up with heels and plumes, with suits and cars and bank accounts and titles and degrees and muscles. We can have grace and dignity and strength, but at the core there is also profound vulnerability deep inside, which we are rarely allowed to show on the outside. Much of the weight that we bear, we choose, and even much of that weight is good. Weight like family or vocation, relationships and such. But this weight is still heavy. Some weight that we bear, we don't choose, like war or illness or broken relationships and such. There's even a song from 1967 called, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. And I'm fearful that even its mention will have Pastor Roger singing it for the next week. <laughs> so I'll ask you to give it up for the remaining few days we have in Lent. <laughs> There's just a few days. You can do it. You can do it. Find it on YouTube. It's an interesting listen, mostly because you know that in 1967, the Vietnam War is ramping up. The song is, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. I thought of this song when I watched the remake of All Quiet on the Western Front with the boys this week. There's a soldier who carries his best friend named Cat for miles. And you think to yourself, there's no way he can do that. But soldiers do it all the time. People do it all the time. Maybe not physically, but sometimes physically. We carry people we love all the time. I'll carry you, your burdens, your pain, your secrets. You aren't heavy because I love you. Even if I limp for the rest of my days, literally or figuratively, carrying you is worth any pain or scar it might cost me, and I hope you'll carry me too. And that's when I thought of Jesus. Third thread. I told you I could do this. He's getting ready to die. He knows this. So he commands his disciples to go get him a donkey and a colt so that he can ride into Jerusalem and be celebrated like a king one last time before he's treated like a criminal. He's terrified and he needs to be carried and he chooses a donkey to carry him. In Luke's account, it's a colt that has never been ridden so let's all collectively roll our eyes at the purity culture woven into the gospel narrative by male authors. Is it necessary to the gospel that the cult is unridden? Is it necessary to the gospel that Mary is a virgin? No. Please. Okay. Anyway. Is it so unbelievable that this Jesus who is King of Kings is also a man who's terrified of what's to come. Is it so unbelievable that while he knows he will soon sit at the right hand of God on high, he also knows that he will first be stripped naked and flogged and nailed to a cross until he's dead? And so for today, this donkey will carry him because he needs to be carried. 
And even though the crowds cheer and he waves and he holds his head high, on the inside he trembles with fear and he's heavy. And his weight sinks into the donkey carrying him. Maybe this donkey will limp for the rest of her life for the weight that she bears as she carries such a heavy load into Jerusalem. She'd do it again over and over, but it hurts her, this heavy load that she bears. So maybe she needs her colt beside her to lean on and give her security lest she stumble. Maybe the colt is a sort of walker for her, providing steadiness and balance as she takes each painful step, one after the other, onwards into the heart of Jerusalem, where Judas' betrayal and Peter's denial and Pilate's death sentence all are waiting. Here's the thing. We all need to be carried from time to time, even the Son of God, we are all both strong and vulnerable, even the Son of God. We all carry weight, and even the strongest of us can only bear so much before we reach a breaking point. The Bible is full of this stuff. It is Jesus crying alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is Adam and Eve hiding from their God who will soon banish them from Eden. It's Jacob wrestling with the angel who will strike his hip so that he limps for the rest of his life. It's King David laying eyes on the married Bathsheba as she bathes on the moonlit roof. It's Hannah begging childless before God's throne of grace. It's trembling Joshua circling Jericho until its walls crumble. It is Ruth leaving everything that she knows and blindly following Naomi in faith and love. It's that Samaritan woman that we heard from a few weeks ago, daring to speak to Jesus under the midday sun. It's Mary and Martha crying out to Jesus, Had you been here sooner, our brother would not have died. It's Peter screaming and reaching for Jesus in fear as he begins to sink into the sea. It's Judas hanging from a tree as his silver coins clatter to the ground. It's the woman begging not to be stoned to death by a jury of men. It's Mary coming to the tomb that first Easter weeping because she doesn't know what else to do. It's strength and dignity cradling a profoundly fragile human vulnerability that lies at our core and it hurts to carry this weight in life. You know that. The woman in the purple hat. The visit to the Cairo. The king who was carried by a donkey who carries the cross and who carries his scars even in the resurrection. These three threads that weave together a tapestry of truth that we all carry things and are scarred by them. Some scars are visible on the outside while most are hidden on the inside. Jesus chooses to keep his scars even after Easter to show humans that he knows what it feels like to hurt and to bleed and to cry and to die. He chooses to keep his scars to show us he knows what it is to be trapped in a migration detention center where humans burn to death. He knows what it is to be trapped in a school where children are shot to death. He knows what it is to be in a shelter blasted apart by raging storms. He knows what it is to be contained in a body with all of its challenges of sex and identity and gender and orientation and impulse and longing. 
He knows what it is to be a human wrapped in skin that is a color he did not choose that other people don't love or tolerate. He knows what it is to have neither home nor money. He knows what it is to be tired and hungry and hunted. He knows what it is to be a citizen on a planet that is gasping for breath. Jesus carries the weight of the entire human race and all of creation as it yearns for redemption. And just for today, he wants to catch a ride on a donkey to rest up for what's to come. As for the lady in the purple hat, I'm guessing by now she's died. I don't think I'm a bad person for hoping that in heaven her feet still hurt her so that she's reminded of the fabulous shoes that she wore while she walked on earth and of her fabulous stature while she lived and of the hundreds or thousands of lives that she changed, including my own, while she walked this earth. Maybe eternally sore feet are worth it when one considers the precious weight one has carried over the years. For all of the unspeakable things Jesus is about to endure for our sake, for the unconditional love that Jesus has for every single human being. For the reality that Jesus treasures the very ones that society loves to hate. For the assurance that God's justice and God's kingdom are real. For the death he is about to die so that yours will not be forever. For all of the vulnerabilities and pain that you carry deep inside of you for the crushing weight that you carry in your own life, which Jesus knows even as the weight of the cross crushes him on his way to Golgotha, and for his face that is about to be bloodied for our sakes, the very least we can do at this moment is call him beautiful. Amen.